Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, the daily devotional, and the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in part two of his special message called Faith That Works. See, it's in the midst of chaos, it's in the midst of trials, in the midst of testing that our faith is truly put to the test. And so tonight, again, I ask you, does your faith work? Verse 2, James says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, when you read that text, immediately everything within me says, No, (laughs) trials are not an opportunity for me to find great joy. But I have actually come to find in my walk with Christ that God does his greatest growing in my life spiritually through the most difficult times in my life. In fact, suffering is a part of the Christian life. It's a promise that if you follow Christ, you will suffer. In fact, in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, Jesus says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. In verse 12 in Matthew 5 says, Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says, for your reward is great in heaven, so they per- for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There's another section in Scripture where Jesus says, they hated me, they will hate you also. There is a promise to us as Christians that we will suffer, that we will not be able to find a bunch of fans in this world. The gospel at its core is offensive to our flesh because it calls the darkest parts of our life into the light to be exposed. And that's when God can truly transform us. I heard Greg Laurie one time give an example. He said, you know, the worst thing is when you go to the movie theater and that normal cell phone light of somebody's screen when they're texting would not bother us in a bright atmosphere. Say we're outside before the movie. But once we go into the movie theater and the lights dim and you have your popcorn and your candy, that guy that's texting in front of you, all of a sudden that really dull, almost unnoticeable light before is now quite a nuisance. And I love how Pastor Greg tied this in and he said, you are often like that in a dark world. You are a beam of light in the midst of the darkness. And frankly, people sometimes just find you very annoying. And it's not even your fault. It's because the gospel calls our sin into the light. And we know that we are the light of Christ. And so Jesus in Matthew gives us this call and James reiterates this truth that we are to rejoice when we suffer. I think of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. While they're chained and imprisoned, what are they doing? They're singing songs to the Lord. And actually in that story, God works an amazing miracle and we see lives changed because of Paul and Silas's approach in the midst of suffering. Some of us will stop singing under much less difficult situations. And so I challenge you tonight, as I have to as the music director at this church, to ask you, what will keep you from singing? What will keep me from singing? Is it something as small as my mood that day? Or maybe a disagreement that I got in earlier that day with someone? Because while Paul and Silas were chained 
and in prison, they were singing God's praise. I wonder sometimes how easy it is for us to be so fickle and for us to bounce back and forth and one day we're full of faith and the next day we have our doubts again and it seems as though we can't seem to be steadfast. It seems like every time we take a few steps forward, we find ourselves taking more steps backward. I've heard it said that the Christian life is like walking on a treadmill. There's no such thing as standing still. You're either moving forward, in a sense, or you're moving backwards. And I don't know about you, but I'm always a huge fan of just fail compilations of people trying to do really dumb things on treadmills. And I guess they've never seen these videos that I've seen because I know I'm never going to try to do anything dumb on a treadmill because I will be in one of those videos. But it seems like people always uh, try to do really weird things on treadmills and it never ends well for them. It is much uh, to our enjoyment, but that is oftentimes how the Christian life is. We're either moving forward or moving backward. There's no such thing as standing still. Because the moment that we seek to stand still and become stagnant, we actually are moving backwards. You know, when we look at the, the scripture here, the word for trials, you know, in some translations, you guys at home might have the word temptation. Well, we're actually going to get to temptation in uh, verse 13 and on, and that's a great section of Scripture as well. But the context here that James is talking about, a better translation for that word trouble or trial is testing. It's being put to the test. It's the testing of your faith. He says the testing of your faith produces endurance. And it says in verse 4, let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. You know, I enjoy lifting weights. Um, some of you are looking at me and you're saying you do. Uh, yes, I do enjoy lifting weights. Um, I have not been that consistent. And lately, I feel like I've finally been back at the gym regularly with my wife and others who we, we uh, work out together with. And now the gyms are closed... Well, we can't do that anymore. And there's something about lifting weight, actual weight. Body weight exercises are great, but there's something about being under an immense amount of pressure that produces a better result. And I'm not saying that body weight exercises are not effective. They certainly can be. But my favorite exercise is bench press. Uh, I've loved to bench press since I was in high school when I started playing football. And I kind of fell in love with that uh, working out like that, the, the chest and doing dumbbell presses and bench press. And, you know, the more weight that you put on that bar, the more weight that pushes down against you. This is not rocket science now. This is uh, pretty straightforward, right? The more weight that we put on there, the harder it will be to lift, to push that weight up. But it, I... I could go to the gym every day and I could, uh, I could put you know, a plate on each side of that, a 45-pound weight, and that would be a good warm-up. But if I stayed at that weight continually and I never pushed further and I never had more strain, I would only grow so much before my body would be used to that weight and I wouldn't see the growth and the results that I would like to see, and an increase in strength, an increase in endurance. So there's this idea that the more weight that's on me, the more pressure, the more trial, the more testing that I go through, if you will, the greater the result will be on the other side. But it's not enjoyable to be under the bar. You enjoy the burn after maybe, and maybe if you're weird, you really like the way it feels when the weight is crushing down on you. But there's something about putting on that weight and having to push it up and the strain of your muscles. In fact, 
when you look at a kinesiology study of what happens when you lift weights, you're actually ripping apart the fibers of your muscles. So there's a breaking down in order to build up stronger in a greater manner. I could go to the gym every day and I could stand in the gym. You know, they have these cool couches at the front of my gym and I always wonder why those are there because I feel like if I ever sat on that, everyone would judge me because they're on treadmills and elliptical sweating and I'm sitting on a couch. So I always wonder why those are there. But I could show up to the gym every day and I could sit on one of those couches. I could hang out at the smoothie bar. Some of you guys go to fancy gyms that have smoothie bars. Can you imagine showing up every day at the gym, maybe LA Fitness, and you sit at the smoothie bar and you chat and you have your smoothie and you leave and you tell everybody you know, I went to the gym today. After a while, all your coworkers are not going to believe you anymore because they're not going to see any change in your life. May I submit to you tonight that that is the very thing that James is addressing on a spiritual level. He's saying if you just go through the motions, if you're not staying steadfast, if you're not pushing forward, then you're not going to see growth in your life spiritually. In fact, you're going to decline. And if you go to the gym every day and you just stand there and drink your smoothie, I promise you, you will not build muscle. You will actually gain fat and your muscles will weaken. And that is the application for us spiritually tonight, that if we're not pushing forward, if our faith is not truly being tested, put to the test under pressure, then God can't do his sovereign work in those trials. And that's the whole idea of this text, that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of testing, that is when my faith is grown. The Bible gives us another beautiful example on how we're shaped in Isaiah 64, 8, it says, But now you, O Lord, you are Father. We, you are our Father, and we are the clay, and you are the potter. All of us are your work, the work of your hand. If you've ever seen a potter work on a wheel with a you know, piece of clay, for, for a long time, it might be hard to really even tell what the potter is making. But you see a lot of working of that clay. Um, you know, sometimes they hit the clay. Sometimes they, they, they have to rip the clay apart. I, I don't know a lot about pottery, but I know that the, it's not a gentle process to get that clay to a place where it's malleable and ready to be shaped and ready to be made into what it was meant to be. And it's a beautiful picture that we see in Scripture that God is the potter and we are the clay. And it would be foolish of us to fight the work of the potter. Uh, I am not that good at pottery. I have a sister-in-law who's an art major, and she's very good at this kind of stuff. She makes things, and you know, I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, I, I could never do that. Um, I heard another pastor say that you know he uh, he tried to make pottery, and every time he found himself making another ashtray because that was the only thing that he could seem to make. And he said that he would give them to his mother, but his mother didn't even smoke, and she ended up with a bunch of ashtrays because that was all he could seem to make on the pottery wheel. But thank goodness that God is a perfect potter, that he doesn't make mistakes, that when he breaks us down, he has a very particular and divine purpose in doing so. Another example is a runner preparing for a marathon. Now, if I showed up to a marathon, it would be bad. It would just be bad. I would not make it very far. Because I haven't prepared. But a person who's going to run in a marathon, they spend time preparing, getting themselves ready, gearing up, getting their body in a physical condition where they can run sometimes 26 miles. And I wonder how many of us, we have this concept and we understand that this Christian life is a marathon, that it's this long idea of keeping a pace, keeping in step with God. 
but we show up to the marathon with a chocolate donut and a cup of sugary coffee in our hand, and we expect that God is gonna do this great work as we run, except that about a mile in, we're, we're toast. You'll hear more from Pastor Shane Lance in a moment. As you know, the coronavirus pandemic has forced local and state governments to make some regulations to keep people safe. That means Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. Many churches are having to face the same shutdown to abide by social distancing regulations. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com and click on church. That's walkintruth.com. Click on church. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Again, that's Step Closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Shane Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. If you've ever seen a potter work on a wheel with a you know, piece of clay, for, for a long time, it might be hard to really even tell what the potter is making. But you see a lot of working of that clay. Um, you know, sometimes they hit the clay. Sometimes they, they, they have to rip the clay apart. I, I don't know a lot about pottery, but I know that the, it's not a gentle process to get that clay to a place where it's malleable and ready to be shaped and ready to be made into what it was meant to be. And it's a beautiful picture that we see in Scripture that God is the potter and we are the clay. And it would be foolish of us to fight the work of the potter. Uh, I am not that good at pottery. I have a sister-in-law who's an art major, and she's very good at this kind of stuff. She makes things, and, you know, I'm, like, looking at it, and I'm like, I, I could never do that. Um, I heard another pastor say that, you know, he, uh, he tried to make pottery, and every time he found himself making another ashtray, because that was the only thing that he could seem to make. And he said that he would give them to his mother, but his mother didn't even smoke, and she ended up with a bunch of ashtrays, because that was all he could seem to make on the pottery wheel. But thank goodness that God is a perfect potter, that he doesn't make mistakes, that when he breaks us down, he has a very particular and divine purpose in doing so. Another example is a runner preparing for a marathon. Now, if I showed up to a marathon, it would be bad. It would just be bad. I would not make it very far. Because I haven't prepared. But a person who's going to run in a marathon, they spend time preparing, getting themselves ready, gearing up, getting their body in a physical condition where they can run sometimes 26 miles. And I wonder how many of us 
We have this concept and we understand that this Christian life is a marathon, that it's this long idea of keeping a pace, keeping in step with God. But we show up to the marathon with a chocolate donut and a cup of sugary coffee in our hand and we expect that God is going to do this great work as we run, except that about a mile in, we're, we're toast because we haven't properly prepared and we haven't allowed ourselves and put in the time to be ready to run the race. And so for endurance, for the sake of being prepared and stronger, James says in verse 4, when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Like an athlete showing up to the weightlifting competition or to a marathon, very much prepared and ready and in peak physical shape in order to perform the tasks that they're expected to. Through adversity, we have to continue to believe that God is sovereign, that he's growing us, that he's strengthening us. Charles Spurgeon says this, God gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction. There is such a power in ministering to people. This is something else I want you to think about tonight. There is such a power in ministering to someone, not just out of an idea or a theory of how something goes, but out of an experience. And I think that so often, I can speak to this from my own experiences in life, that I have gone through things where I wondered, why would I go through that thing? God, if you're sovereign, if you're faithful, why, why did I go through that thing? And then years down the road, I see God's sovereign hand bring it full circle. And something that I went through years before in my past has now become an opportunity to, to do ministry, to be a Christian, to be what God has called me to be, to carry out his ministry and to give people hope. And there's a beauty when someone can sit with someone and say, man, I've been where you are right now. And sometimes I wonder if when we're in the midst of trials, and I'm asking myself this tonight, please know that everything I'm saying tonight, I have to challenge myself on every day. But when I'm going through something that I don't understand, when I'm going through something that seems so much bigger than me, and I'm asking questions like David in the Psalms, God, where are you? Where are you in this situation? Can I have a perspective that says, I know that God is working this together to further his kingdom and he has my best interest in mind for the sake of furthering and bettering the, God, uh, the, the kingdom and spreading, we cannot better the gospel by any means, but, but spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse five says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously without reproach and it will be given to him. Verse six but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea. It's driven and tossed by the wind. And for that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So what is James saying here? This might be a bit of an unsettling verse at first glance when we read this. Well, gosh, so if I have any doubt in my mind when I pray, God doesn't hear my prayers. Well, I don't think that's what James is really saying here. I think what James is saying is that when we seek God, we trust in his sovereignty. We trust in his faithfulness and who he's proven himself to be. And really the idea here is that we would give God our whole heart. Here's where I think blessings can be withheld. When we are living in habitual sin and we're unrepentant and then we ask God for his blessing. For example... I will speak to you younger people and maybe people of all ages tonight. 
I will be straightforward with you. You cannot ask God to bless your relationship if you are not married and you are having sex or you're living together. Why? Well, because God has made it clear that he has an order for things and you're living in outright disobedience and you're, you're disobeying God. It would be as if, think of your relationship with your earthly father for a moment. He gives you clear rules, asks you to just follow these things, and he'll bless you. And then you disobey those things and you deliberately defy the things that he set in place and then want to continue to receive his blessings. Well, that doesn't really make sense because you're deliberately disobeying him. And so in the same way, there's this idea that when you come to the Lord and you ask him for things, ask him with your whole heart. May your life be surrendered to him. Now, there are things that I have to surrender to God every single day, things that I struggle with, things that I have that are broken inside of me. And I wrestle with this very thing all the time of giving God my whole heart, trusting him completely. You know, we love to give God our Sunday morning life or maybe our Wednesday night life. But I wonder how much of our time goes to the Lord outside of these short hours that we spend together as a church? Is he actually a priority in our life on a day-to-day basis? The Lord asks for our whole heart. It says in Deuteronomy 6.5, You shall love the Lord your God, and you know this verse, with all your heart and with all your soul. Jesus echoes this concept throughout the New Testament Gospels. That we are called to let go, to give God control, to trust Him. And people almost love to panic. We've seen that in the last couple of weeks. There's almost something about panicking that people are drawn to. It's just within us. It's in our flesh to panic, to try to accomplish things on our own, to try to make our own way. But God is calling us as Christians tonight and saying, no, trust me. Let me make the path for you. Let me mark the way. Stop trying to shape yourself. Can you imagine a piece of clay on the pottery wheel trying to mold itself? It wouldn't get very far. And oftentimes I think that that's kind of how God see, sees us. We're, we're this clay that he has this intended purpose for. He has this, this perfect plan for our life. And we fight him over and over again. Tooth and nail, we fight God on what he wants for us. And sometimes I wonder why we're so stubborn. And how many times do I have to fall on my face before I realize that I need the Lord to be my guide? We sing a song, Lord, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Every hour, I need you. Every minute should be the lyrics. I need God every minute, every second. And so again, I ask you tonight, church, does your faith work? Does your faith work? In the midst of adversity, are you able to stay steadfast? One thing that you can have confidence in tonight, church, is that God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You may have relationships in your life tonight for some of you where you've, you've fallen too many times and you've fallen from grace with certain people in your life. Maybe it's a, a parent or a sibling where you've made the same mistake so many times that they've finally said, I can't help you anymore. But there is a Father in heaven tonight that says no matter how many times you fall short, no matter how many mistakes you've made, 
I will never leave you or forsake you. If you would come to me in humility and say, God, I've, I've fallen again and I cannot make this better. I need you. The scripture promises us and ultimately the Lord promises us that he is faithful. But our faith, as I said earlier, is only as good as the thing in which it is placed. The Lord will never turn you away if you come to him desiring knowledge, desiring wisdom, desiring strength, needing his help in time of need. He will never turn you away. You're listening to Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane Lance, in part two of his message called Faith That Works on Walk in Truth. Just a reminder, you can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you'd like on podcast. You can listen to our Living Truth app or on your favorite podcast app like iHeartRadio, Apple Music, Google Music, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can listen to previous programs too. There's a lot to listen to whenever it's convenient for you. So listen to the Walk in Truth podcast in your car, on your walk, or whenever you feel like it. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth program on your favorite podcast app. And now, just so you know, Pastor Michael is a little under the weather right now, and I'm sure he would appreciate your prayers. Now, I want to reassure you that it's nothing serious, but Pastor Michael would like you to know that his heart and his prayers are with you and your family. Now, the world may feel like it's spinning out of control, and for a lot of people, it actually is, but Pastor Michael would urge you to take this downtime to be with the Lord, to read the Bible, have some prayer time, fellowship with your loved ones. You'll find peace resting with Jesus. And if you're feeling under the weather, Pastor Michael and all of us here at Walk in Truth are praying for you. So God bless you and your family. Listen next week for part three and the conclusion of Pastor Shane Lance's message called Faith That Works. Faith That Works.